The following programming is sponsored by Six Feet Over Under Productions. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and 97.5 HD2, a part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Oh, my goodness, Jeff. So much to talk about. It's Final Four weekend, the Sixers... The Union, the World Cup, the Phillies are one week away from opening day. Rumor has it that after this game, you are flying to the Final Four because you purchased tickets to the North Carolina Duke game for $10,000. So I had sent Jeff a text message. Darren Ravel had <laughs> tweeted out that a seat in row 63, basically center court, was going for $6,000 a seat for the Final Yeah, but four. you're not going to sit in row 63. You're going to sit up closer. Yeah, of course. Right. I'm not going to spend six thousand dollars. If, I'm, if I'm going, I'm right. going big. Okay. Now I'm not going big either, but but that, you know I would. <laughs> did you Did you see that Eric Church canceled his concert? Yes, video? his fans are not very happy with him. Yeah, he canceled a concert. Look, that's commitment. I don't know how many people are going. I'm guessing tens of thousands of people were scheduled to go. Some traveled to wherever they wherever this concert is, and he didn't even go there. Look, when we started this show many years ago, we, we talked about fandom, yeah. Jeff, and the impact that sports has on people. Example number 7,523. That's what we're up He's to. canceling his concert to go to, look, it's the first time that Carolina and Duke will ever play in the NCAA tournament. It's not the finals. I want to apologize to you, by the way. To me? I had told you on uh, either last week's show or two weeks ago that you wouldn't have to worry about the Coach K retiring storyline going on. You were wrong. And on, I was wrong. I was praying that St. Peter's would win last week just so there'd be something else to talk about besides Coach K. Boy, that balloon deflated quickly in that game, didn't it? It was fun to to watch them on Friday night, though. I mean, you know, tough kids, and then all of a sudden Shaheen Holloway this week gets hired away to Seton Hall before their parade today. And St. Peter's goes back to being St. Peter's for the next Actually, years? Jeff, since yeah. there's always a Rutgers tie to things, Uh-oh. apparently St. Peter's is looking at a Rutgers assistant to be their new head coach. <laughs> so just wanted to make sure that you were up well, on the latest rumors. They wanted to stay in New Jersey strong, I guess, right? <laughs> Are you looking forward to the Final Four, obviously, no. Jay Wright? Okay, can I, can I tell you something that I don't understand? I didn't go to a city school, yeah. so I don't understand the inability. What are you talking about? You went to Rutgers. But I didn't new go Brunswick to a Philadelphia a city. city school oh, where like, okay. you hear the... I went to this school, so I can't root for that school. Mm-hmm. Like when a Philly team is in the Final Four or in the the playoffs, I, I root for them. So when St. Joe's made a run, I rooted for them. When Drexel won, I rooted for them. Right. Temple, I rooted for them. I will root for Villanova. Like you, you're, there you're, are people who went to certain places in the city that will not root for Villanova this weekend. Okay, so you actively root for them or you just say yay for you? Yay for you. Okay, see, that's different. So, I mean, that's that's what I'll do. Well, for what me. do you want me to do? Paint my face and go outside no, and but, run naked down the street? Root, but Root has a has a different definition to me. So, would I would I say yay for you for Villanova? I would, because I like Jay Wright, and I have lots of friends that went to Villanova, so I'll be happy for them. But I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't even know if I'll watch it. It's a tough like, matchup. Like, it's just kind of, eh. It's a tough matchup for them. I, Kansas is 
a deep team. Nova wasn't deep to be. Well, and with. Nova lost one of its best players. Losing That's Justin Moore. That that looked painful yeah. on TV. When did they not look painful? <laughs> like what's painful is that we that they keep showing it. Thank over you. And over I don't again. need that it's, replay and the zoom in and the slowdown. It's like no, I know what it, happened already. Cool, thanks. It's just it it it, it started with Joe Theismann, and it's just like. We all don't want to see it, but you all keep showing it to us. And people keep looking, even though they don't want to see it. Right. They do. And well, it's the, it's the car accident thing. Like, right. people have to slow down to look at it. All right. We'll Which keep... is the flyers, but we'll talk about them <laughs> later, right? <laughs> you told me the other... <laughs> so, before we go... I'm going to bring Tom Hausnick on. Tom, you'll laugh about this. So, uh, Tom, Jeff, uh, and I are looking to go to a Phillies game together. And he texts me back and he goes, I have tickets for the flyers that night. You want to go to both games? I'm like, they still play? I just... <laughs> You know, didn't realize that people still go to games down for the Flyers. Right You're welcome now. to come, too, Tom. Come on, Tom, join us. <clears throat> uh, I don't need the torture, thanks. Yeah, I, uh, look at that. He just turns us down. I understand. He doesn't really want to hang He's out with you, He's a baseball snob. That's how what can I tell you? Tom Hausnick <clears throat> of The Morning Call. How excited are you for real games to start for you earlier next week for the opening day for the big leagues later next week? Well... If the weather's going to cooperate, I'm really excited. But right now, you know, 45 and sideways rain, I'm not real thrilled. That's such a uh, Philadelphia response. <laughs> I know. I know. We're getting next to that. I understand. No, it's, I'm ready to move on to you know, get outside a lot more and, and just see baseball. And, again, I, I can't imagine even these guys, they've had a short spring training. They're ready to just get going for those who are, who are healthy. I'm sure, you know, fans are ready to start thinking about the – what can go right or wrong with the Phillies this year? Yeah, well, as somebody that that this is their job to to watch not only the Phillies but the guys that are coming up in the organization. As you're watching these games, what are you most looking at to say this is promising, and what are you most concerned about? Well, the good news is that I, what I thought about Bryson Stott last year has not changed. Uh, he looked like a guy who was just buying his time to be in a major league uniform real soon. And uh, obviously this spring he hasn't disappointed and he's kind of leaving the Phillies with a hard decision. Well, you know, as, as much as, you know, Alec Bohm's struggles have continued has has made it a, a tough decision, but Stott, I mean, he, he just looks like a player. He's not, un, he's unfazed by the fact that they just, you know, started throwing him at third base. Um, the kid can play wherever you want him to. Uh, again, I hope we're not, you know, revisiting Scott Kingery here. Thank you. Uh, with, I, I get afraid every time somebody tells me in the Phillies organization that you can play everywhere because they will. <laughs> and again, what they did to Scott Kingery has put him in the position he's in, you know, labor him aside. The, the kid, when he was at AAA, there was no question he was a major league player. The problem was he was their everyday second baseman and waiting and everything but that transpired. So it's been a real spiral for him, but Right now, Stott is a tough, me- tough mentally, and he c- he's a player, and he can hit. And right now, the Phillies will take all of that. So uh, I'm excited to see him win and if he gets that chance. Now, they may decide, hey, go down to AAA and get a month of everyday at-bats, and we'll see how Alec Bohm does it third with Johan Camargo, and we'll, we'll, we'll evaluate then. I don't know, but, yeah, but I'm, bef- I'm anxious to see the play. Bef- before we get to anybody else, you, as far as who you find promising, let's, let's talk about Bryson Stott a little bit more. Bryson is not somebody that most people know about, even though he was a high draft pick. I don't think a lot of people pay attention to the minor leagues unless they're like a star. Bryson Stott came into this organization before that, even when he was in high school. I think he was 5'3 when he, when he first started high school. Wasn't a kid with a lot of power. Has kind of developed that and developed a swing. 
I don't think anybody questions whether he can hit. Whether he hits home runs or not is a different story. The question is, because of what the Phillies are doing with him right now, is putting him at third base. I always thought that Bryson Stott didn't have the strongest of arms. Does that become a problem? Did I have that wrong, or does that become a problem if they stick him at third base? I don't. Th- I think if, if he were, you know, if they chose him over Didi at short, then you can talk more about arm strength. But I think they want Sammy first of all just to catch the ball at third base. And I don't think there's any problem with him catching or throwing from third base. I think he's. I think he would be a suitable fit compared to what they've had. There's what? no question that he's not gold glove material right now but I'm going to tell you he's he's a kid who's going to go out there with no fear and play 100% every night which is again what the Phillies need a lot of that too so I, I think arm strength not, not not as much of a factor for him at third base well you said not gold glove are you talking about gold glove standards for the league or gold glove standards for the Phillies because that's two different things <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not going to be you know a Jimmy Rollins type or even Scott Kingery type at third base Kingery at second base, to me, was a goal glover right off the bat, but when that just never materialized. He he has had a lot of issues, but Bryson Stott can play suitable defense for any major league team. But and, and I won't be yeah, surprised if he beats out Alec Bohm, who has struggled this spring. And I'm I'm curious your thoughts because you're somebody that's watched the system, and I, I remember. Jeff interviewed him right after he was drafted. We did a bunch of research for it, read the scouting reports. The question was always, where is he going to play? And it seems like that same question still exists now that he's a major leaguer. Now, it seems like the ability to hit has sort of gone away from him, but I still, if he figures out how to hit, don't know how he plays third base. What's your thoughts on him? And at some point, do they cut bait like they did Adam Hazley and try and trade him for an arm or something in the system? Well, they are stuck between a rock and a hard place. You're talking about two number one picks here. And they've, Philly's a missed more than they've hit on their draft picks of late and even going back you know, more than 20 years. So to, to cut bait on him this this soon, I, I find it really hard to believe they would do that. Plus, trade value is not real good right now for Bohm. So they're not going to get a lot in return. They're not going to get certainly not going to get something that they need. They, you know, they're not going to get a, a center fielder who can play every day or a reliable bullpen arm. But I, I think they're in a position now where they've got to evaluate Alec Bohm the person as much as the physical player because you know he's he's obviously spent a lot of time with mental skills coaches and for him to be demoted to AAA at this point to start this season after oh, how promising it looked a couple of years ago and what he's been through since I think they have to consider whether or not he can recover from that emotionally to realize that he's just going down here to get at bats and to get better hitting fastballs and making the routine plays at third base. If he can do that, if they believe he can do that, then you got to go with what your eyes tell you, and that Stott right now is the better player. But Stott hasn't played in the major leagues to even evaluate apples and apples there. So, they're, again, they're caught between a rock and a hard place. You, Stott is tough enough mentally that if you put him up there for the first month and then Bohm lights it up in AAA and they call him up and send Stott down, Stott will, will handle that. They've got to worry about more about Bohm's mental status at this point if he is sent to AAA, if they decide to do that. And look, maybe they can kind of hide him a little bit with some of the other bats they have while he gets his his bat straight and his defense straight. You mentioned trading for a center fielder. 
Adam Hazley traded away Odubel Herrera, whether people wanted him here or not, out four to six weeks with an oblique. Looks like a battle between Matt Veerling and Mickey Moniak for the center field job. Uh, are we going to see Mickey Moniak with the big team to start the season, do you think? It certainly looks that way, but I, I'm still a little uh, – I'm not understanding. We've heard Joe Girardi say several times that that uh, Moniak is not the everyday center field option or he's not a center fielder. He's a corner outfit. I just And I watch him play every day in center field last year when he was in AAA, and I, uh, he is really good in center field. He he has he does everything fundamentally correct. Now, can he hit at the major league level consistently? That's that's to be determined. But from a defensive standpoint, Mickey Moniak is pretty darn good in center, and especially with the Philly situation, you know, in left field, they need a center fielder who can kind of cover a position and a half or more uh, with the glove. Because again, you went out and you got these bats to go with Harper, Real Muto, Hoskins, if healthy, and all these kind of. So you don't necessarily need a great bat in center, but you got somebody who has to catch. And then and, and Veerling plays another one of those kids. He will run through a wall. But as a center fielder, Moniak's a better defensive center fielder, but it, I don't think that he's going to be put in a position to play there with any regularity, the way it sounds with Girardi. So it looks like Veerling is going to be the guy to get more at-bats. Why is that? Why, do, why isn't Joe willing to put him there every day it doesn't seem like they have a better option and you mentioned the the positions that they got they signed people that are going to hold the positions that he would potentially go into just make him a center fielder right i i think i think they saw more in dearling offensively when he had chances last year than they do in moniac and i my guess is that that has to be a factor even though like I said, at this point, you're not stressed for offense from that position because the two corner guys are going to produce you know, or should produce big time. So you're not, like I said, you're not in a big need there. I, I think they're, they're, they're still caught between a rock and a hard place when it comes to having their four, four of their best players in the primes of their careers. So they've got to find a, a group behind around them to produce immediately. Yeah, but, but Mickey... That, has, that but, really hurt Moniac. That has hurt... Uh, Scotty Kingery, and it's going to hurt others if they continue to think that way. Yeah, I but, believe. But Mickey Moniak doesn't. He's not going to hurt anybody. He's going to bat ninth in this lineup. And and as you said, he's he's the best defensive option. That we don't they need have. defense on this team, Jeff. It's a softball team. We're just going to outscore them ten eight every game. Three and a half hours, like the Sox and Yankees. Get ready for it. Well, the ca- the catcher is good for one hundred and twenty games. I mean, at, le- at least you have him who can field. But back, I mean, seriously. Who's what other option do they have in center field? Veerling is not, to me, a, an everyday center fielder from a defensive standpoint. And I'd rather look. I want Veerling on this team. I think he's great. We we interviewed Veerling and Bohm the week that they came up to Williamsport years ago, and and Veerling clearly seemed to be the the guy with his head on straight more as far as as understanding the game and having the the mental toughness to do it. I want him up here, but I don't understand why Mickey Moniak, who was a first-round pick at one point, who finally is showing something in this spring training and seems to have figured it out, which I want to ask you about in a minute, but why not put the guy who's the better defensive player in the lineup every day to start the season when you know he's going to be batting 8th or ninth? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's a great question because 
Veerling clearly can handle any role you put him in. If you want to play him for a week and then sit him for a week, he can handle that. But Moniak, with all the yo-yoing he did last year, there was no way that you were going to truly see what he can do offensively in the major leagues. If they give him that legitimate chance for this first month of April, which every team is going to be behind the eight ball with the way things have gone with spring training and, and, and the, the whole thing that worked out with the players' contracts and everything else, everybody's going to have a, a wacky April. The Phillies have to realize that within their division, they're not going to, they're not going to lose the division in April, especially with the fact that you know Freddie Freeman's not playing in Atlanta anymore. That's a huge, huge thing for when you're thinking about the division. So why not take your, your, your number one pick and give him a shot to play 20 games in a row in center field and see how it goes. And if he, if he, if he doesn't hit and they have to send him down, Mickey will be okay with that because he realized, Hey, look, I had a chance and I'm going to get another chance, but for right now I'm not the guy or he may work out. But I think if you just keep yo-yoing him, sit him on the bench, play him pinch hit once a week, that they're going to, they're going to eventually lose him in that way too. Like, like things have gone with Kingery. Mickey Monia can play in the major leagues. He, I think he just needs that opportunity with consistent at bats and to know that they, he has the support of the organization to say, look, we believe you can do this. Now go do it. And he seems but to have the, the mental makeup to do it. It's just putting together no the, the pieces. I mean, I remember we talked to him years ago he was still getting growing pains in his, from, from growing it when he was at Double A at Reading. You know, people are so in such a rush to get them up here, and so I wanted to talk about the farm system itself. You're somebody that watches it closely, so we're having you on. I go to MLB.com to check where does the farm system rank. They have the Phillies at 26 this year, and say that it's slid down in rankings over the years, but not to say it's devoid of high end talent. We've talked about Moniak and Stott. I'll throw a couple other names out there. I'll throw two arms, and I'll let Jeff throw a couple other guys. Uh, tell me about Mick Abel and Andrew Painter. Well, if, if things go the way they expect them to when they break camp, it looks like the Phillies are going to take a different approach than what they've done recently, in particular with those two guys. Take their time. There's no reason to rush the minute anybody shows a sign of being good or hot to start racing them through the system. That's not the best approach. You have to be patient with these, especially with you know pitchers and with any kind of injury history. Take your time. Let them develop. Let them get comfortable where they're at and then evaluate over a three or four month period rather than saying, okay, this guy just had three or four good starts. Where can we send them? I think and you know, what they're going to do with the, the Phillies with, with all their prospects, so many of them are at the are, should be at the lower levels. That's what they're going to do. They're going to load up AAA with you know, a lot of veterans, uh, guys who've had chances, other organizations, and then they can pick those guys as needed for the major leagues if there's an injury. Let these other guys stay at the lower levels, let them get comfortable, let them prove themselves, and then start moving. You know, those two in particular – you know, how, how, they're so young. There's no reason to rush them, even if you start getting the rash of injuries. And you know, obviously, the bullpen situation right now in Philadelphia is not great. But just take your time with these guys. It seems like that's how Preston Manley is going to approach things. Um, and again, when you get a college kid versus a high school kid out of the draft, you've seen how quickly they're ready to move. Now, whether you know whether you like Adam Hazley or not. 
college kid, um, Scotty Kingery, college kid. They're going to move quicker. With the high school kids, especially with pitchers, there's so much for them to learn. It's such a huge adjustment. You know, Nick Abel's 20. What, what's the hurry? Um, you know, they've got other guys, 22, 23, who have, you know, have a lot of promise. Even if, you know, even if you're desperate at the major league level, don't reach down and start pulling these guys up fast. Now, Francisco Morales, a young guy in his own right who, who was in the minors last year, I mean, he may get a chance sooner than others because they've converted him to a closer situation and the situation with the Phillies bullpen with the injuries. Uh, he may get grabbed early and, and, and go up. But otherwise, you got him in a new role. You've switched him from a starting pitcher who can throw 95 to a guy who can be a, a back-end guy throwing 98, 99. Let him figure out that he's just going to be a two-pitch pitcher and he's going to be pitching one inning and be able to let it fly. Let him start in Reading and build up some confidence before you start you know, racing him through. Um, I, I think they're going to show more patience with, with some of these, these uh, prospects who are young, who don't have a lot of the major you know, pro experience. I hope that's the case. To me, the most interesting minor league story is where do the to the two best prospects that that I like to watch are Marshawn and Ohapi. What are they going to do with these two guys? Are they going to have them both at AAA, or are they going to say to one of them, "Go down to Reading because it's better that you play every day"? I, I think Ohapi is a kid who's going to be in Reading and just play, you know, six days a week. Um, he, you know, he was another one of him and, and a couple other guys last year. They were all over the place just to try and get at bats. And you know, he, for the few games he was in AAA, he, he looked pretty good. And he clearly has the you know the body and the makeup to be able to be a, an everyday catcher. Um, but again, he's 22, 23. Let him let him start in AA, which I think that's what's going to happen. And once uh, Marshawn gets healthy, he can come to AAA and catch there five, six days a week. That way. You're you're seeing the you're getting the best possible look at those two guys to know, you know who is progressing and who is not, or or, or, or who may be ready to to help in the major league should an injury occur. I like Logan a lot. I think he he is he's got a good bat. He's got a great head on his shoulders. He's one of those guys who really studies the game, but he studies and and looks at the numbers and all these things at the right times. It's not. You know, right after one at bat, before he goes up to bat again, or after a game, he's not you know sweating over the four at bats he just had. He just has a great uh, approach mentally to the game. He's shown a lot of physical tools. I think him starting at Double A, and even if he even if he hits the cover off the ball in Double A, let him just play there two months and then evaluate things. Give Marshawn a chance to get back and get healthy and, and get playing regularly. Right. I'm hoping that that's going to be the case. We'll see. Here, here's, the, here's the big question. Every year we start out, we have five starting pitchers. One <laughs> of those people is going to have something happen, that, unfortunately, where they're going to be out for a couple weeks, hopefully not longer, but it could happen. Who comes up? Who's number six? <laughs> you know there's going to need a, there'll be a need for six. And seven, and maybe eight, you know, because obviously one's last time Zach Eflin made it through a full season healthy. Yep. Um, we're getting, we're already nervous about Wheeler and his shoulder and Ranger Suarez. Nothing seems to bother that guy. So, you know, he could have a broken arm and probably still pitch. It's just a matter of him having a visa here and, and getting enough innings in before he's, <laughs> he's in regular season form. So that's the thing. When you look at the, the guys that are going to be in AAA starting the year in AAA, 
well, once, you know, once Phillies break camp and they let everybody up, I think Bailey falters the answer because at least he's shown hints of having stuff good enough to play in the major leagues. Jeff doesn't like that answer, by the way. You can't see him. I know he does. You can't see him shaking his head with his hand uh, (laughs) at his forehead right now, but. (laughs) The the three options are Bailey Falter, Christopher Sanchez, and Nick Nelson. But again, Phillies fans are not going to get excited about any of those guys, but where the system is, that's what they've got now. That's why you don't go to, out of desperation or whatever you want to call it, go to double A and, and grab a guy and, and, and take a guy from high A Jersey shore and somehow get him to triple A to see if he can handle it there before you take him to the majors. They can't do that with some of these really good young kids. So that's why your answers are now Bailey Falter, Christopher Sanchez, Nick Nelson, as you know, far as starting pitchers. You mentioned Preston Mattingly. I'm just going to close the last one for me. Have you seen a change with the change in people overseeing the farm system, is that starting to trickle down in terms of thought process for the team? Anything you're hearing out of how they're going to approach things differently than in the past, the way this organization has done it? Well, I, I think they really have put a value on who they've been drafting the last couple of years and then, of course, moving forward um, since Brian Barber came on board. I think if they're going to believe in him, then they've got to believe in who he's drafted, regardless of what round they came in. And to give these kids, like I said, ample opportunity to develop as their bodies are telling them. I mean, you can't take a 20-year-old kid you know, coming out of high school with you know, less than a year of, of pro ball experience and start racing them through the organization because they're desperate for that position need. So that's why the, their Phillies are in a conundrum because they've got to win now. But at the same time, they can't keep going after these young kids who are not going to pan out because they've pushed them through the system too fast because they're not ready. And then if you're not ready physically, emotionally is the next step. And if, you know, if their confidence is shot, then you've lost them. And that's a shame because then you go to somebody else and now all of a sudden you're digging your hole deeper. So I think there's going to be a little more patience with, with these younger guys, especially the pitchers, because now eventually Nola Wheeler, they're going to be older. Zach Eflin, Zach Eflin's bodies had a lot of wear and tear on him. Eventually, in a couple of years, you're going to need guys to, to be top of the rotation starters. So you got to really value what you have now. And, and if you really believe these guys are major league starters down the road, just treat them like gold now and take your time, no matter what scenarios unfold at the top of your minor league system or at the major league level. So I'm hoping, I believe that that's, going to be more of a, an emphasis now. And I think that's what we're going to see at least to start this year. You can read Tom Hausnick in the morning call to get the latest on all things of the players who will be the next here in Philly. Uh, Tom, thanks so much for the time as always. Uh, enjoy watching the games. We look forward to reading what you cover. And you can come to the Flyers game if you'd like. Yes. The offer still stands. <laughs> Lot, lots of seats available. Good, bad. They're all over the place. <laughs> Tom, Thanks, guys. Take care of yourselves. Is, is it really a good seat? Well, it's a good seat if nobody's blocking you. It's a good you. sight line. But, but they're all good anywhere, sight lines. Right? There's nobody that's going to stand up in front of you at this point. And all I right. hate to say that because I'm a huge Flyers fan. pains me to say that, but I have to. Well, why don't we take a break and then we can come back and cry? Well, I, before we take no? a break, can we okay. talk for one second about the actual team that's going to be on the field? Like, Which field? The Phillies. Oh, the Phillies. We team. talked a lot yeah. about the, the guys that are close, but I mean, this lineup, 
is a softball lineup, basically. They're going to mash the ball. A beer league. Can their defense be worse than it was last year? It's possible. <laughs> and they were uh, bad last year. I, I know I'm supposed to play the role of optimist when I it comes know. to baseball, but I really can't. And, it, and that's what baffles me about, look, I've talked about Mickey Moniak for years, and, and I'm sure there are people out there that sit there and say- You fought the good fight, uh, yes, yeah, for Mickey Moniak. Yeah, but the, but the good fight was never, he's a star. It no. was, be patient with a guy who was drafted out of high school. And, and when we talked to him- on multiple occasions, you could see a guy who had the mental makeup for the game. I mean, he just needed to grow into his own body. Yeah, but he may not be a star. But but the one thing we do know is he actually can field his position really well. And it appears that he's made adjustments, whoever he's been working with, he's made adjustments, moved closer to the plate. He's hitting the ball this spring. So why not ride that momentum unless it ends over the <laughs> till our next show? <laughs> but why not... If this team had a dearth of hitters, it would be one thing. He's going to bat ninth. Yes. He's going to bat where the pitcher would bat before you had the designated hitter. Yes. You can hide him. I don't think you're going to have to hide him. No, and but he I'm won't have even, any pressure on him. Even if it doesn't work out, mm-hmm. you're hiding him. Right. You give him the chance to get no pressure at bats in the big leagues and, and learn what defense. it's like. And you get defense. I don't understand it. Now we can go to break, Jeff. Okay. I just want to ask you that question. We'll and hit then the we break. can hide Alec Boehm. We'll hide Alec Boehm. When we hit the break, we'll come back. We've got plenty more to talk with us. Stick with us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. So I'm going to take you all behind the scenes for a second. (laughs) Jeff and I prep for a show. We put together a document, and we sit in between when we go to break and say, what well, do you, you want to talk tell about? everybody how we make the sausage. What do you want to yeah. talk about next? Yeah. And here I thought Jeff was going to say the Sixers or the Union or something. And Jeff, what did you say you want to talk about when we come back from break? I want to talk about Elton John for a second. That was not what I expected, uh, exactly. but the floor is yeah, yours. That's what makes me special, right? Well, one of the things so, that makes somebody, me special. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what, what's annoying. So so now all these guys come out and they're doing their, their concerts and stadiums and stuff like that. So... I went to a concert a couple years ago, which was called the Goodbye Yellow Brick Road Tour. Yes. Goodbye. It was supposed to be his final tour. While we were on break, I get an email about a farewell tour with Elton John. How many times do you get to have a farewell tour? I know it has nothing to do with sports. I just want to know how well, many times I, I'm supposed to you do know, it's, farewell it's, tours. It's funny, it's funny you would ask that because uh, I, I obviously, as you know, watch professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. You can retire over and over again in that sport and keep coming back. It. <laughs> it just draws more money. One of my favorite bands of all time, the Eagles, had a tour that was a farewell tour. And then they had a tour called the Hell Freezes Over Tour because they said they would not... When would they tour again when Hell Didn't Freezes Over? Didn't Tom Brady have a goodbye tour last season and, and he's coming just, back again? And they were just here Monday at the Wells Fargo Center. But didn't Tom Brady basically do that last season? <laughs> <laughs> it was his goodbye tour well, and now yeah, he's back? Wow. See, now that's a that's a good segue. I knew right. I was setting you up for what you wanted to talk about. So, so every time I get annoyed by Bruce Arians, he does something like this 
And, and I'm going to take him at his word, so that's why I'm impressed. If it turns out that he's full of baloney... Then, You'll come back then, and then revisit that's this. That's why we have a, a show. <laughs> we so, come back and right. change the wrong things we said on the air. But we talk all the time about, about the lack of minority coaches in the NFL. We went through the Flores situation weeks ago. This has been an ongoing issue. And one of the problems that has surfaced is that even when minority coaches have gotten jobs... The jobs they're getting are not jobs anybody has much of a chance of success for because a coach isn't picking the players. And the general manager is not choosing the players based on getting the coach success now unless they're coach. They're, they're building for the future. And so now you have a situation that appears to have been orchestrated as such. Now, I don't understand the Brady retiring and then unretiring part of it. But what, what seems to have happened was Brady's considering coming back. Bruce Arians knows that and sets up this situation where he elevates himself to the front office to give Todd Bowles a chance to succeed because he says, I'm going to have the quarterback coming back, the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm bringing back most of this team. I, as Bruce Arians, could ride this out for another year and get myself potentially another Super Bowl. But instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put somebody who I believe warrants, merits the opportunity to coach a good team and put I'm going to put him in a, in a position of success. And to me, that's the kind of thing that we need in society and the kind of thing you need in the NFL. I would just like to point out, I set you up for a transition from Elton John to Raheem Morris perfectly. Raheem Morris? The coach. Or not Raheem no, Morris. Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles. Yeah perfectly for that and then I screwed it up afterwards when I went to yeah, talk about what I did. Hey look I'm good like that. Mm -hmm. Okay so other NFL news this week Jeffrey Lurie spoke. I didn't believe very much of what he said that's okay. Um, <laughs> so you're saying he shouldn't have spoke. Is he's what entitled saying. to his opinion. Right. People want to hear him make comments. I'm glad that he says that he's less involved so, now. Uh, I don't believe You don't that. agree him? I believe that he is as involved as he wants to be. Less involved means that you are more involved and you're doing less now. It doesn't mean that you weren't involved and you're doing nothing now. Clearly, he's involved. Other people have said that it's not meddlesome. Uh, the examples that he gave at his press conference I found interesting. Uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, one of them, uh, you know, his decision-making progress process. In the end, it wasn't his call, though, how he made the call. So he just asked, like, I just kind of laugh about that. I was what was the point of this? What, like, what? not the point because, of you bringing up. What was the point of him talking? Because Jeffrey Lurie Jeff generally speaks once a year. Normally, he speaks after training camp, Right. Though, so what, is, what, what was the point of him speaking in April? I don't really or know. March. Other than to tell me that I get to wear my Kelly Green jersey. Like, I, and you know me, I've been waiting Have for that. Have you seen so. it or are they just saying it? I haven't they're seen it. They're just saying it and okay. I'm really hoping it's like the real Kelly Green. Are you not sure the they're not going to mess this up? No, I'm not, I have no faith at all. At all. Like, I, I I totally have faith that they're going to screw this I, up. I have complete Some's, faith that they will mess th this up. They're going to talk about how they needed to change the wing and the wing is more uh Well, so that's it. that gets to the question. Right? Okay. Are they wearing white pants or silver pants? Because they wore silver pants with the old Eagles uniforms. Right. Are they going to wear the silver pants? They got to wear the silver pants. I hope no, so. Who wants to wear the white pants? My, my, my wife would laugh. I can't even pick out what shirt to watch, and I'm critiquing the jersey differences between the oh, Eagles. Oh, that's right. Yes. Because what was it? 
There, there was a game between yes. the Bills and the Jets. Yes, it was the color like rush texted where they me were. And said, "I can't tell who." Uh. It was red and green. The Bills were red. The Jets yes. were green. I'm, I'm red green colorblind, and I couldn't tell the difference. And the color rush came. And by the way, they were now hideous my, uniforms. Now my five year old goes yeah. around quizzing me about colors. Like, what color is this, Daddy? Oh, you need to learn. Like, I get it oh. all. The, oh, it's brutal. He thinks the fact I'm colorblind is, is very cruel. funny. Did you see that they changed the overtime rules for the playoffs now in the NFL? Woohoo. Both teams Both will get teams the ball. Both teams get a chance. You're not excited by this? No, because like the more I think, the NFL is so reactionary. Like Every league is reactionary. All that needed to happen is the Bills could have played some defense. I mean, like that's <laughs> half your team. Details. Yeah, I mean, it's half your team. So if half your team can't do the job, then maybe the other half of the team doesn't deserve a chance to get the job. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it just it just seems like it's so disingenuous to do this now. Like, because of one game, because Josh Allen didn't get a chance. Isn't that how the tuck rule came about? I, I th- that's my point. The NFL is not a progressive is it, organization. Isn't that how the, the helmet the helmet hit came about? Like they, yeah, but they that's, wait but until they don't there's ever, an example they don't and then learn, make an example. Right, but they don't learn to be progressive. They continue to be reactionary in everything from... The less serious things like this, unless you're in Buffalo and then it was a serious thing, or the more serious things like concussions. The NFL is never ahead. They're always behind. Leadership, Jeff. That's, I mean, that's the problem. It's leadership at the top and all these levels of the leagues. Uh, look, we're less than a month away from the draft, and it is going to be something to watch, whatever you think of Howie. The Eagles are the only the seventh team since 1960 to head into a draft with three top 20 picks. Whether or not they take them, whether how he makes the right picks, we'll have plenty of time to break down. But there's definitely going to be a lot to watch with this team. Who will be the starting quarterback on the Eagles? Jalen Hurts. You really don't think they're going to draft a quarterback or use their use their picks to try to get some? I don't know who's left at this no, point. No, I was worried that they were going to try and get Deshaun Watson. I was I, the the blowback in Cleveland that you've seen there. Where no, I haven't seen it. Oh, you have. No. Jim, Jim Tomey's wife wrote a letter saying that after forty years they were giving up their season tickets. They've had fans that don't want to go that say this is their line. There's been criticisms from other owners about the way the contract was drawn whoa, to protect whoa, 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 whoa. him. Time out. Time out. Time out. So, I have no problem with people saying that he shouldn't have gotten a guaranteed contract when we don't know if he's going to be able to play because he's been accused of levels of assault with two dozen people or approximately two dozen people. Allegedly. Alleg- I said allegedly. I got you covered. Don't I'm worry about it. Sure. I, I got that. We can't I, say it enough for right. you. But giving somebody that's under the that cloud a, an, an additional contract guaranteed, like he was already under contract. The first ever fully right. guaranteed but, but contract. But here's where I whoa, whoa, whoa you is we have a situation where Stephen Bissotti, is that his name? Bissotti. The, the, the owner of the, the Ravens, Ravens is complaining about it. Because he's going to have to give Lamar Jackson Exactly. A that was the most disingenuous thing you could possibly do because he's got an issue with Lamar Jackson coming up for a big contract. He should not be speaking about this. Okay, bad messenger. Is right. the message accurate? Yes, the message is accurate. The message is accurate because you don't reward somebody in that situation. The, the Browns don't know if he can even play. Not physically. He may not be allowed to play. Maybe on the commissioner's exempt list. I mean, who knows? So why give... What was the impetus to give him that? Because... Because he picked them? Like, I don't understand this whole situation. I get he has a no-trade clause. But he it was either 
you don't play or you go where we want, where we get a deal. That's what doesn't make any sense to me. Like I said, I'm just glad it's not the Eagles. I did not want to deal with what they're dealing with in Cleveland here. I, just, I didn't want that. We here. are. We are dealing with that here. Over. Odubel Herrera. Well, I know. And you and, I have, familia? you and I have made our opinions very clear that we didn't want them on these teams. But nobody seems nobody else seems to well, care. They don't seem why to care aren't Phillies? Them. Why aren't Phillies fans giving up their tickets for that? They're not a superstar making headlines. Odubel Herrera is an outfielder who... He was going to be the starting center fielder on this team, despite all this. Juris Familiar, they traded for him Look, to come here. Look, let's be honest. Fans forgive regularly for things that they wouldn't forgive in any other And you don't think that's going to happen in Cleveland? I'm sure a Jim lot Tomey's of Jim Tomey's wife may be up in arms. Uh, Some people may claim they're giving up their tickets. That stadium will be sold out. It will be sold out, but I think that's a little bit different with the allegations hanging there. And like you said, who even knows if he's going to be able to be on the field? All right, I want to leave the football field there. I want to talk some basketball, Jeff. The Sixers are 46-30. and 30. Yeah. For now, they're the fourth based seed. On, based on that, you would go, wow, right? They're doing good. You would think you would that think. life is good. And last night, so they're two and a half games back of the Heat. They're the fourth seed. Um, they're half game back of the Celtics, two back of the Bucks. They blew a lead last night to the Pistons. Well, see that, that you you buried the lead. It was to the Pistons. <laughs> to the Pistons. James Harden made a layup with seven forty three left. The Pistons next eleven possessions. They scored twenty three points. <sighs> uh, in the fourth quarter, the Sixers were six of sixteen from the field. They had five turnovers. They were outscored twenty three to nine in the last seven thirty. And 18-9 with Embiid and Harden on the court. Well, uh, so lest people forget who weren't watching the game, all five start. There was nobody resting. All five of the Sixers starters were playing in the game versus the Pistons, who are now 21-15. and 56. Which makes no sense because they sat them at the start of the fourth quarter in Milwaukee and gave up a 15-point lead where Giannis came back and they won. I don't understand what the hell Doc is doing. And I, I, I know everybody tells me Doc is not the problem. The players, For whatever. Got five minutes. I, I don't <laughs> understand his rotations. I don't understand what this team is doing. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a step wait, back. Wait, 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 wait. Do you, do you know how many points the bench had? I do. Eight, um, eight. eight. 39 to eight, eight. They were outscored by the Detroit Pistons. Mm-hmm. But Doc says it's not the bench's fault. Whose fault is it? Well, his I fault. don't think he means to say it, his but he fault? made it sound like it was James's fault. Harden? For not distributing the ball. To, to the, the now, guys I, that didn't shoot well? There's lots of reporters who are saying he didn't actually blame it on Harden, but the way that it was cut on TV, it looked like he was blaming James Harden for it. So I'm going to ask you... Do you know how many points that the Pistons bench had? 39. Uh, 39, yeah. 39. Now, as an Isaiah Livers fan from his days in Michigan. You're the only person (laughs) knows that he's on the Pistons bench. Exactly. So I even had discussion. So every once in a while, us Michigan people are like texting each other and and somebody sent around something. How many Michigan players are in the NBA? Nobody got Isaiah Livers. Nobody even knew he was in the NBA. He had nine points. The Sixers bench had eight. Eight. Uh, All right. So... Let's take a step back and address these things one at a time. James Harden. Yeah. Concern level. He's not beating anybody off the dribble. Hamstring. Uh, how bad is and the old. hamstring? And if so, why is he playing against the Detroit Pistons? 
Because it was an easy win. Uh, apparently, it wasn't even with them on the court. It should have been an easy win without them on the court. They beat the Heat without them on the court. Uh, nothing makes sense. Like, and None so of like, it makes sense. Yeah, by the way, these, the other thing that, that has, I've, I raised this, I think, last week or the week before on the show, the Sixers rebounding is atrocious. horrible. Yes. Do you know how many offensive rebounds the Sixers starting five had? How many? Two. And both of them were by Matisse Thibel. Not even Joel Embiid had a single offensive rebound. Not one. How is that? I don't know. I don't know how that's possible. They I, had four for the entire game. Four. It's yeah, look not, at me. I've left you speechless. But it's not only that game. Against that's the, my point. Against the Bucks, they blew a 14-point lead on Tuesday. Against Phoenix, they blew a 15-point lead. Because there's no bench. You have, you have starters that are going to be gassed. They, all they have is a starting lineup. Right. They, and so now you get the people who are saying, well, they were better before they made the trade. Harden's washed up. I don't know. Is Harden hurt? Is he holding back to be healthy? I don't know what the team is doing. They don't talk about it. So you get this panic level in the town like, oh my God, what are we going to do here with this team? Yeah, well, the bigger panic isn't even this year. It's next year. The bigger panic is when they give James Harden a really big deal when he's been out of shape at times and he's got this hamstring injury and, and as... As you know, not on air, but an NBA pl- former NBA player told us at one point, hey, this is going to be an albatross for you guys because people don't realize once you start losing it physically as you get older, it's hard to get it back. So if you haven't taken care of your hamstrings, if you haven't taken care of your lower body, this becomes a problem that you can't fix as you get older. Well, and he's going to be up to... He's going to have to be willing to adjust his game, too, because physically he can't do what he did. And if you can't blow by somebody, then your step back isn't as effective because they don't have to give you the space. They don't have to go double and come back on you because they know that you don't have lift to hit your shot. You know, you look at what he's front rimming out there with Harden. So, okay, we'll leave Harden there. Mm Mm-hmm. Maxi has struggled a, lit, a little mm. bit in the last few criti- weeks. You're going to criticize Maxi? I'm asking what role <laughs> there is and should be for Maxi and Tobias in this starting lineup because it doesn't seem like either of them have really found their fit yet. Thibel seems to understand his role mm-hmm. um, and is playing better and gets more open dunks because of Harden's passes. Yeah, but he had four points against the Pistons. Uh, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. That it's not a problem when your bench scores eight though. points. That's the problem. If, you, if you've got somebody coming off the bench that can score, that's one thing. But you don't. And so your starting lineup needs to put up 90 points if your bench is only going to contribute 10. They may have to put up more than that. DeAndre, Especially if you're going to pay the defense data, he's painful to watch. DeAndre Jordan was minus nine. That's not surprising Again, at all. Against against Stewart. Yet Doc like, seems. To, I don't even know Stewart's first name. Doc keeps seeming to say that Paul Reed and Charles Bassey aren't ready, and so that. What is, does that mean? I don't know. They're on the roster. I, They're not playing in Delaware. If what what are they not ready for? I, what DeAndre Jordan's giving them? I do not know. They, you. It's baffling to me because even if they're, let's assume they're not ready. How do you get some, how do you get somebody ready? That's their, forget, no, forget that. Even if they're not ready, the fact is you don't have a better option. So you use the option, even if it's not ready, 
because they're it this isn't like this is not like the Phillies where they don't they say they're not ready and they go to the minor leagues they are on the roster what happened they're going to gonna be on the playoff roster what happened to coach them up you're the coach you keep saying he's not ready do things to get him ready he will not get know. ready if he sits on the end of the bench and doesn't get in the game. Of course, he's not going to have experience to put, play in the playoffs. You don't play him in the regular season. How's he going to learn what he's doing wrong? They don't run the same plays in practice all the time like they do in the game. So how's he going to learn? He's not know. getting all the run with the blue coats. He's sitting on the bench here. It just makes no sense to me. They're on the team. If oh. they're on the team, you play them uh, if they can benefit the team. And if it turns out, look, I don't think Paul Reed's the greatest thing but but I but know he that energy. I know that DeAndre Jordan's got nothing. DeAndre left. Jordan is not the answer. Paul Reed brings energy to a team that looked lifeless at times last night out there against the Detroit. Why Pistons. not put Charles Bassey in? We saw that he at least provided energy. I mean, there were a couple games at the beginning of the season. People got excited, and I'm not telling you he's gonna he's gonna light the world on fire. But he. He's better than DeAndre Isn't Jordan. Isn't this part of the problem, though, that their bench is so thin that we're sitting here having this conversation of, why not put this guy in? Why not put that guy in? Like, they're, they're misbalanced so much with their spending in the offensive lineup that they don't have any depth at all after the trade that they made for Harden. And I'm not saying you don't make the trade because you keep Seth Curry. And mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. You know my opinions on the trade. You we know could, I would have done something we still different. We Ben Simmons. Oh, please. He's not even going to play. Ben so. Simmons destroyed the process. Can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. Why is vaccine status becoming a story for the Sixers again? Don't know. It is a bit. It is a mystery, isn't it? Apparently, I guess gonna, we're going to find out. We're going to find out Tuesday, right? Somebody's going to go to Indiana for Monday uh-huh. and not Toronto for Tuesday. And before the season, the Sixers said that there were two players not vaccinated. Ben being one of them. Okay, so you do you do uh, marketing occasionally. Some people call it that. You do uh, public relations. People call it that too. Okay, so Doc Rivers gets asked about the question and he decides that he's going to make a joke and say, and say, well, I think nine of them are in it. I mean, like, what was he thinking? Why did he say that? I find Doc's responses uh, puzzling. Is he I don't just think, being, I mean, he thinks snarky is a good response to that issue? I find Doc to be resentful of questioning when I oh, watch the post-game presser. Like, well, I, like how dare you him. question... The decisions that I made, don't you know what I've done is well, the error yeah, that I that, get. And I, I could be wrong, people. but that's what I, co- it comes across to me when he goes at reporters for doing their job, for asking the most basic questions. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry. Somebody asked you about the bench last night. Your bench got sco- outscored four to one. You put up eight points. Don't tell me the bench isn't responsible. Either you didn't give them enough run time. You didn't call plays that were set for them. Or you haven't coached them up to be more effective in the game. Those are the three options. None of them are good for Doc Rivers. So your answer doesn't help your problem. Well, And it only insults fans like me who really want to know what the hell's going on. It could be worse. You could have Michael Westbrook to, or Russell Westbrook to ask, ask oh, questions. Oh, God. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, what was that? I don't know. I, I don't it was a legitimate question, and it wasn't even an offensive question. And Russell Westbrook just decided that he was just going to give this whole lecture and then walk out. And before he walked out, make sure that they got it on camera. Look, it was. I've spent twenty years of my life teaching people how to answer the questions that they don't want to get. You acknowledge the question, you pivot to something else you want to talk about, and then you talk about the other thing. 
and then you move on. It is not hard. It is not the questioner's fault that you're unable to calmly articulate an answer to a basic question that is posed to you. It is your job as a coach, which, by the way, can I also say, I don't understand why Harden doesn't speak after every game. And Bede's out there after every game, win or lose. He doesn't. Harden doesn't. No. He didn't speak last night. Mm-mm. What is that? You're well, that, a superstar. You're hanging Joel Embiid out to dry and take the... Take well, it all. Well, he, look, he used to be guilty of that too. I mean, if somebody. But Embiid has grown up and is there right. after every game, mm-hmm. after the losses. It, he's generally there. Harden's not. We look. This has been an issue for years with the Sixers organization. Is letting people. I mean, that's what happened with Ben. Is Ben would be sitting there at practice. He would look perfectly healthy, and he wouldn't talk to anybody. Nah. They they they, they allow that to happen. It's a culture thing, and I don't know how you change the culture at this point. They brought in different coaches. Look, I've been of the the sense that if Doc doesn't get the team past the first round, he's out. Um, I don't know if he's back if they get past the second round. It doesn't seem like, you know, when you start to see those rumors leak out about players not being satisfied with the coach, you know they're coming from somewhere, whether it's an agent, whether it's a player. Again, Yeah, but you don't know anybody's agenda. That's the thing. But somebody has an agenda and they're putting it out there for a reason. And I'm just saying when those things start to happen, you look out to see whether there's other cracks. Anyway, we've talked about potentially going to the Flyers game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sam Carcitti, our friend, wrote a piece titled Flyers Need to Blow It Up. And your response to me was? Already blew it up. What is there to blow up? Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if, if you take if you bring in a demolition unit and the demolition unit blows up the building all that's left is a bunch of broken bricks what's left of the flyers at this point other than a bunch of broken bricks what are they going to blow up what do they have that's trade value that's going to make the organization better other than travis connectney baby and a couple of the pieces that if you get rid of them it's even worse i think they buy out rent van reams stuck it them reams like okay. it creates Good. Cap Buy space, out. but it's not going to change. What's that going to do? Look, overall, they're on pace for 26 wins. Since the franchise started in 67 68, there have only been three other full seasons that the Flyers had fewer victories. Mm-hmm. Sam wrote it this way The fact is, this team, even when healthy, had too many flaws to be a cup contender. Little speed, no depth, no difference makers, awful special teams. And he said, sneaking into... Other the, than that, they're doing well. Other, other right. than that, how's everything going? Mm-hmm. Sneaking into the playoffs next season is being short-sighted. Build for the long haul. Build a team that will go consistently challenge for a cup down the road. Build from the ground up. I don't know if Chuck Fletcher is capable of doing that. That's my That's concern. I, apparently, we're going to find out because I don't think he's going anywhere, do you? It doesn't seem like okay, it. Well, then I guess we got to wait another 45, 50 years. Ah, we finally get the goalie and now we don't do anything with it. I just don't get it. I don't know how much longer he's going to be able to hold up all of this. Jeff, I know you were on the edge of your seat with three minutes left watching the World Cup draw today. Tell me how excited you were to I figure out the rules of how everybody got matched up. It was up. so convoluted to figure out who they're playing and what, the, and they're called pots. Like, whoa. I'm at a loss. I don't really know what to say. The U.S. goes But it sounds like they have a good draw. The U.S. got a pretty good draw. They have England in their draw. They play Iran, and then they play the winner of Wales, Scotland, Ukraine um, as the fourth team. It looks like there's always a a really tough group that they call the group of death. That looks like group E, where poor Japan will have to play Spain and Germany. Ooh. Um, I don't know if you saw that. Who's playing North Macedonia? I don't know. Isn't Isn't that the big one you have to worry about? I don't know. 
bad at that. I don't know if you saw the under the under twenty team. The Union players dominated. Quinn Sullivan had a hat trick. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they've they've played very well for the the young team. The men's national team has not played in the World Cup in 2,829 days. They will again. Can you just give us years? <laughs> it's been since 2018. Seven? Yeah. They missed last time. Oh, 2018 was two, the last two, time? Yeah. No, I thought they missed they, in They missed 2018. Right, 2014? So yeah. That's when they played? So eight years ago. And so the game against England will actually be Black Friday. It'll be the day after Thanksgiving. No, I thought it was the day of Thanksgiving. No. No? The day after Thanksgiving is is when that'll be. The World Cup starts on November 21st in Qatar. There will be lots of What will the temperature be? Very hot, and there'll be lots of talk about it being played in Qatar, whether it should. That will all come up as well. Um, But it's good to see the men's national team back in it, and... But it'll have a, a I, union I hope, feel. I, I hope this helps them get equal pay. <laughs> the, the men's team? Yes. You're the worst. Exactly. Because uh, they finally get in the World Cup. The women have been in the World Cup and won it how many times? Yeah. And had to fight the way that they had to fight. To get it. Yeah. Uh, the union are in first place, 3-0-1. On they play Charlotte FC. They haven't really had their full complement on the pitch yet. And they're still in first place for a team that... Normally doesn't start the season fast. Oh, I, th- I thought it was fascinating to see what Jim Curtin's done with the team this year, which is a whole lot more pressing. Like this team is very athletic and, and they're able to put, pre- I heard Curtin say, look, if they have to pass the ball eight or nine times, that's, that's more chances they're going to make a mistake. So it's the union's plan doesn't seem to be to have time of possession more. It's to attack more and it's working right now. How long it works, I don't know, but they're such a deep team that they if everybody's there and not at other tournaments, this could be a great team. Going to be fun to watch. That's the last word. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.